0: Welcome to yet another Prospect List podcast here on the Baseball Prospectus Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, in the host chair, this time sitting in for Smith, and joining me to talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks is John Truven. John, how's it going?
1: Not too shabby. How about yourself, Jeffrey? Not too bad.
0: Uh, I'm like constantly, since I moved out to Utah, just like constantly vaguely sinusy because it's so cold and dry out here. Which is kind of unpleasant.
1: Yeah. um, You know, that's the thing they don't tell you about mountain air is that, uh, you know, the sort of swampy lowlands are actually, you know, really keeping keeping you uh, a lot of yourself going. We
0: finally got something uh, this morning for the first time called an inversion fog. Oh. Yeah.
1: What does that look like? Is it It looks like fog. Um, okay. I did
0: not notice. My wife asked me about it. I did not notice a huge difference between
1: inversion <laughs> and regular fog. It's like a, it's like using a convection bake versus just yeah. a regular bake. It's like I mean there is something different here obviously, but really it's still the same.
0: Apparently it's like actual stratus clouds instead of whatever fog is. I don't know. I was not real big on the science classes in high school or college, so.
1: My friends uh, from Hawaii, when uh, when I was in college, told me about VOG, which is okay. when uh, when you get sort of like the steam that comes down from the volcano, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was very cool, because it's not smoke, it, you know, it, was, it, it never occurred to me that that would um, be be an issue, but then they were very thrown off by actual fog, and uh, I had to explain to them, like, yes, this we, we get it here, too, even though we don't have volcanoes, uh, or at least our volcanoes are, are pretty chill and mellow. Uh, and knock not, on wood. Knock on wood, <laughs> I was going to say.
0: <laughs> fog not an issue in Arizona, either. Neither really <laughs> has been competing in the NL West recently. Another... Kind of not as up and down. Maybe the twenty twenty one season, just a generically bad seventy four win season. What are the Diamondbacks going to do going forward to rectify this? Other than hoping they get realigned outside of the uh, competitive division with the Dodgers?
1: I think they're in a they're in a really difficult spot. I think they sort of, they have somewhat of the right idea. Um, you know, they've they've gone big on these really high upside um, position players in the draft and you know, they've had a few years where they have actually gotten a, a bunch of draft picks, which is um the, you know, I don't know if they've necessarily done as much as they could have uh, with that in terms of their player development, but certainly they've they've done their best uh, in, in at least trying to bring as much talent into their system. Uh, but the problem is, yeah, like you said, when you're competing against the Dodgers, And, you know, there's a team like the Padres that's willing to at least, you know, throw everything they can into it. Um, You know, even if you have the Rockies around to sort of beat up on um, and you have the Giants just continually willing to at least be decent and, and sometimes contend. I mean, Arizona just has so many things going against them that, you know, they have a... They're a class, you know, they're a quintessential, like if they were somehow just able to be into a central division. You know, if if they could just split it up, like you said, like into like if we had like a AL North and AL South, you know, this this would be a, a perfectly reasonable roster. But uh but instead they're 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 really stuck in the middle.
0: They have had a lot of draft picks in recent years, as you noted, both in the uh the 2019 and the 2021 draft specifically. But we stand here on the precipice of the 2023 season, and this really isn't... And they haven't graduated really any of these players, for starters. And this isn't as deep a system or as impact-laden <laughs> as a top as you might hope, given the amount of amateur talent they've been able to draft and sign.
1: Yeah, it's... You know, they they have a few players that are you know that have really stood out and we're going to talk about them and Corbin Carroll and um you know they they got some debuts from a few uh interesting players and graduations from you know Alec Thomas who looks like he should be a decent regular but yeah you know Cattell Marte is still the best position player or, or at least has been the best position player on this team and you know maybe now you're looking at Dalton Varsho as sort of the, your star you're you're not really uh you know you, you this team needs a lot of like 80th percentile and above outcomes uh to compete against the the teams that they're lined up against and they just they just haven't hit as much as they'd like a lot of pl- these players have sort of stagnated um and so when you combine that you know with pretty big whiffs in free agency um you know, I mean, even that. Even when you make a move like the like acquiring Zach Gallen, who's been one of the best pitchers in the National League, um, it's just not enough. You know, when you're when you're looking at Madison Bumgarner soaking up just every last just just looking every bit as washed up as as you know his velocity numbers seemed like they were trending towards before they signed him.
0: I starts from 14 different pitchers last year.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's something that their system could provide them some support with. They have mm-hmm. a really high, uh, a lot of their system is pitchers who look in street clothes like they could be starting pitchers. Several of them even look like they could be starting pitchers when they are actually pitching. Um, and... You know, they've spent a lot of draft capital on them. Uh, they've got, you know, they, they got debuts from guys like Ryan Nelson and Dre Jameson last year. Um, but it's just, you know, how long are you going to have to wait for all those players to, you know, by the time you actually figure out which one of your, you know, which, which group of those pitchers are actually worth keeping in the rotation know how many more years is that going to be and 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 is is the rest of this roster going to be anywhere close to contending
0: well let's look at the reinforcements down on the farm. we'll start at number one with Corbin Carroll as you mentioned so we're going to probably have a conversation about Corbin Carroll that (laughs) Diamondbacks fans are not going to be thrilled with so I just want to preface that by saying he is one of the best prospects in baseball Mm -hmm. he came up and Hit in the majors. He was, at, by all accounts, a very good Major League debut, statistical and otherwise, 260, 330, 500.
1: Mm-hmm. Great.
0: Sign sign me up, right? What do you think, oh, this way, for a top prospect in baseball, which, again, as I said, Corbin Kirby. is there really as much offensive impact here
1: as you'd like? I think there's enough reason to be concerned. Uh, not con- concerned is not the right word because, again, like you said, like this is a this is a very very good prospect and and likely a very good player, but he does. Uh, and Jared Jared has spoken about this and written about this, and but like he is not necessarily doing as much damage as he should on. Hittable pitches. Um, now, when he does make contact, he's making really good things happen. Um, he's hitting a ton of line drives. So the contact that he is making, he's making a lot of hay on. And he's got good foot speed to, to stretch you know, into extra bases. Um, I don't know that he is going to be necessarily a, a major power hitter. Um, And so when you look at these types of players where it's like a decent, you know, you can stick him in center field if you're okay with not having great center field defense. I think he's okay out there, but he's not great. Um, And then everywhere else it's like you think it's above average. We have seen a number of those types of players pretty solidly – just coast through the minors and then not quite make it, uh, make it last in the in the majors, and that's a big challenge for Carroll. Is is there something that actually differentiates him there, or is he just kind of a a solid player?
0: Also, of course, doesn't hurt when you play your home games in Amarillo and Reno. As yeah, this year, but again, he's playing his home games in Chase Field, which is a nice place. To yeah. hit as well. Uh, on that note, in terms of his contact profile, again, this is a small sample size. We're talking about 73 batted balls and just a little over 450 pitches, but an exit velocity, average exit velocity of 86, max of 108, and a zone contact rate of 78%. Now, nothing there is awful, hmm. certainly. Uh, those are broadly in line with what he did in the minors this year, a little bit. Down from Double A AA and Triple A, but again, it's, it's majorly pitching he's facing, and not Double A AA and Triple A, so he'll have to make an adjustment to that. Conversely, we should say there's no real weakness in his game here, right? He can contribute in so many different ways that even if he doesn't have maybe you know a plus or even plus plus tool here in in hitter power, he's just going to to make things happen for you on in pretty much every aspect of the game. Hmm.
1: I think the the big risk is if you don't have necessarily that significant over-the-fence power, right? You know, obviously, 23 homers, or I guess 24 homers in the minors last year, but like you said, that's in two of the absolute most hitter-friendly parks. So, yes, he, he, I think, has a solid offensive profile, but if he is going to be... Swinging and missing a decent amount, uh, which I think is a is a real risk, especially for the you know first few years. Um, it just puts a lot of pressure on you know. Anytime he does make contact, it's it's gotta continue to be. He, he can't be have significant stretches where he's just popping the ball up. He can't have significant stretches where he's you know. He he, he can't take a step backwards defensively. Um, you know it. It's just a. There are more concerns, um, you know, than you 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 might. There there are more question marks than than you might like.
0: We should note that Carroll's 2022 represents a full, complete, excellent recovery from his horrible shoulder injury. (laughs) We will now continue down the list with more prospects that have had horrible shoulder injuries shortly after being drafted. And we will move on to the number two overall pick in the 2022 draft, Drew Jones, uh, child of Andrew Jones one of the you know, uh, consensus top two or three prep bat really for the last couple years of the, at this point for this, uh, for this draft cycle. How did you sort of wait in his most recent shoulder injury of the, of the <laughs> top three prospects when ranking the top of this list?
1: It was, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if like, does Ken Kendrick have just, like, the most, like, aggressive handshake when he's, you know, welcoming them in and they're going in to sign the contract? Could be. I don't know what's going on. But position players do not be drafted in the first round by Arizona if you if you want your shoulders intact. Um, Drew Jones, I, I still think he has just such a – I think he has the highest floor of um, – about as high of a floor as you could hope for for a prep prospect Um, just by nature of everything he's shown as a prep is he's got unbelievable speed he's got great defensive instincts he he moves really fluidly Um, so you know just so long as he can put anything really together defensive or offensively rather You know, there's going to be a big league role for him because of that, and I don't anticipate you know a a shoulder injury um, dramatically impacting that athleticism. Um, He has a has demonstrated a very strong arm, and hopefully, that mechanically all can come back properly. Hopefully, you know my my hope certainly is that they don't feel the need to rush him back and and that he has the, you know, that the medical work there will be, um, you know, relatively conservative. Um, But yeah, you know, as long as he can just put the ball in play a decent amount, he's going to be a big leaguer, I think. Um, and I think there's plenty of reason to think he could be a very solid hitter beyond that, you know, but it's, it's just a very high baseline that, that is encouraging to me.
0: Well, as noted, the Diamondbacks at least have plenty of experience rehabbing <laughs> shoulder injuries <laughs> in their top prospects, and Jordan Lawler, who checked in at number three, had his own post-draft labrum tear, came back mm-hmm. in 2022, had a full, healthy season. Uh, as I recall, Keenan Lamb ranked him as the top draft prospect in that 2021 draft class. I believe overall so, yes. draft class. And, you know, he came out in 2022 off that shoulder injury and hit quite well, all things considered. But there are also, like with uh, Corbin Carroll, are some warning signs in the contact profile here.
1: Yes. Um, Lawler has... Great athleticism. He runs really well. Um, That shows in his defense and uh, offensively. Um, It helps him stretch, you know, singles into doubles. Um, He's got excellent power. His swing is very much geared to try and loft the ball, but that means it gets a bit too long sometimes and you can see that in his strikeout rates um you can see that in him really struggling with spin at times um arizona was pretty aggressive with him they they um pushed him all the way up to double a and he you know he only had a little bit of time there and he's only he was only 19 he's going to be 20 in 2023 so certainly that's not fully damning but um, he looked overmatched at that point, And um, I think there needs to be at least some mechanical refinement there because he has t- a ton of strength. He doesn't need to be um, bringing, you know, he, he doesn't need a sort of max effort swing to, to get a lot out of it. You know, there, there are a lot of players with his sort of builds who, who have a lot of strength by specifically recognizing if if they're making contact um, more consistently, they're going to produce a lot better results. And and hopefully Lawler can get there.
0: Some of his value long-term is also going to depend a lot on his ultimate defensive home and and overall glove. And I think coming into the draft of the – Of the three main prep shortstops in that class, Jordan Lawler, Cleo Watson, and Marcelo Meyer, Lawler was, again, maybe not the the highest upside, but the most likely to stick at shortstop. But we've seen some issues there as well in 2022,
1: haven't we? Yes. So his range was still very impressive, um, but I I saw a lot of Lawler and um, was pretty concerned with his arm strength which, at least as a prep, was absolutely standout. I mean, he had one of the strongest arms, I think probably the strongest um, arm of any of those three. Um, And coming off of the shoulder injury, and then he had, I think, an oblique uh, injury um, at at some point, uh, his, his, his arm strength seemed to be pretty inconsistent. I saw him sort of short-arming a lot of throws um, at, at different points this year, and, and sometimes it seemed like he was able to, to get it going like he normally would, but it was not consistent um, in the same way that he had shown as a prep. So um, maybe that is something that as he gets further and further away from the injury, that shakes out or you know gets mechanically adjusted, but it was a cause enough of concern for me to put him behind drew jones um and also just to be a little bit more wary Um, athletically i think you could put him at every single position on the field but um you know he, he he does need to show that arm strength if he's going to be a shortstop and if not you know he's a he could be a very tall rangy second baseman but that is that is not quite the same type of player
0: We got our first pitcher at number four, Brandon Fatt. So an interesting one, not, uh, I know, I'll I'll say clearly a a top one-on-one candidate, and I believe he's going to make the list for us, but it's a three-pitch mix, not even really plus fastball velocity or consistent plus fastball velocity. A couple of interesting secondaries. What do you think? Yeah, we like to say command isn't an out pitch, but do you think the command here and sort of the overall uh, pitch characteristics play up enough that he can turn over a lineup multiple times in the middle of a rotation?
1: I do, and, and I think that it is. It's not just you know it, it is command specifically in that I think he locates all sort of three of his main pitches where they are most effective. You know, he he consistently uh will get his fastball um either in on the hands on, on lefties and sort of run it back in on the inside corner. Um it doesn't it's not necessarily the most uh, impressive backspin pitch. Uh Jeffrey, I know you had a uh you saw a somewhat underwhelming outing, I believe, uh for him.
0: Yeah, he didn't really command his stop particularly well, especially early in the start, like it took yeah. a little... Little while to get all the all the stuff going. He didn't have a particularly good off-speed suite in my look. Uh, I was talking to a scout that had seen him several times this year, and it said the off-speed stuff had looked like clearly above average in his in previous looks. So you do sometimes just get. Uh, prospect on an off night especially when it's a one start look at a pitcher and it was towards the end of this uh, very long season as well he did throw a ton of innings this year so
1: right i don't yeah. think
0: it's overly concerning it's not a profile i tend to love generally but i am trying to <laughs> get a little more uh less stodgy about you know pitch type characteristics making this kind of profile play up it's a little bit funky delivery too he's got long limbs or some deception and again like the the converse of sort of the corbin
1: Carroll is he pitched very well in amarillo and Reno. right it that is that is definitely part of what i was looking at here is like that we're going to talk about some pitchers who absolutely got run through the ringer um, in in those poem parks and and it it makes it a little bit hard to evaluate them. And um, I do think, you know, Fahd deserves a little bit of extra, well, it, it made me credit him just a little bit more um, that he was able to consistently post in that way. Um, and you're right, it is, it's not a particularly sexy profile, but it is one that I think, you know, gets out there and, and gets 180 innings um, over the next several years. Uh, I think that that is the type of player and pitcher that he can be.
0: Number five, Davison De Los Santos. He was a, I don't want to say a pop-up prospect, but a, a little sort of a mini short season breakout mm. last year in 2021 as an 18-year-old uh, coming stateside for the first time. Hit for a ton of power in... The Arizona Complex. It's the Arizona Complex, as we know. Be. The ball travels there, and it travels pretty far in uh, Vesalia as well. But he did go to the Cal League and got all the way to Double A as a 19-year-old, socking dingers up and down the Diamondbacks organization, playing mostly third base now. But this seems like a kind of I want to say <laughs> traditional, but it's a right-right first-base profile, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Very much so. Uh, he, I'll say this. He he absolutely gives his full effort <laughs> to playing third base. Um, I do not think that, that... Yeah, I think there's no lack of um, will. Uh, I've seen... I saw him make a number of sort of diving plays um, that, uh, you know, full credit to him. Um, would they have been fielded on their feet by many other players, probably. But um you know that that is definitely uh it's definitely a first base profile. I and his arm is not strong enough for for third. It, I think he could have could have been a candidate for like a pre-shift ban, you know, Travis Shaw second baseman. Um but yeah I don't I don't think that the the future is gonna allow for that. So it is unfortunately a right right first base profile, and he absolutely has the power to go up there with any any prospect, really, in, in almost any system. Um, the question is, is he going to make enough contact? And I think he was making efforts uh, to try and shorten up his swing a little bit. Um, they, his uh, stride, his, his, his front foot shifted from a much floatier, bigger leg lift into a sort of a smaller, like, heel lift, um, especially once he got into double A. Um, I, I don't know if that was him personally working on that or the the um, Diamondbacks, you know, sort of pushing him to make that shift. Uh, he didn't necessarily, you know, he didn't have enough time in double A for me to necessarily say, oh, this worked, but uh, but he did strike out a lot less, at least, you know than I would have probably expected, uh, given that you know for a lot of the time in IA he was uh, really turning and burning, and he was burning a lot. But um, yeah, the, so the the challenge here is just you know can this you know can the most difficult trajectory to being a consistent big league regular work out here?
0: Well, we've gotten to the top five, so why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll cover 6 through 10, Get John's Personal Cheese Ball, and then we will get out of here. Welcome back. We'll now go into the back half of the Diamondbacks' top 10 and got a few pitchers to get through. I don't know if you want to group six through nine. Trey (laughs) Jamison, Ryan Nelson, Blake Walston, and Slade Ciccone. Obviously, Nelson and Jamison specifically got some Major League time this year and pitched pretty well. Both have, you know, mid-90s fastballs some questions about the ultimate sort of secondary and command profile, ultimate role in the majors, whether it's starter or lever, and both, you know, as you mentioned, did struggle in A AA and AAA a little bit here and there. So what put
1: Jameson over Nelson for you? Um, they are, I, I think you're absolutely right to sort of pool these these four. Um, but Jameson... I think has just the uh, the sort of most uh impressive uh, fastball of of the entire group. Um, he has a the sort of ability to run the fastball consistently in uh, from off the inside corner. On into the inside corner against lefties was a huge separator for him. Uh, during the early stretches of uh, his minor league season last year, um, he was still running with a lot more sink, and it was um, it was a major challenge. And he was he was still getting hit pretty hard, um, but he. Began running his four-seamer more consistently in and freezing a lot of hitters with that pitch. Um, The other component that gave him the edge is I think he has the best secondary pitch uh, of the group. His slider um, is very sharp, um, and even though he has a pretty high... Uh, effort delivery uh, and is generously listed at six foot um it is i think the best bat missing pitch of any of these four um and that is that is a big separator for me is it's he is just the easiest one of all four for me to see being a successful big leaguer um for long term
0: Walston at number eight is a uh prospect I've always liked really since the draft. But the problem with being a projectable lefty is at some point, you have to project. And we're, <laughs> we're three years on now, and he's still sitting in the low 90s. He's got pretty good secondaries. Does he have enough fastball to be a meaningful rotation piece, though?
1: I'm... Am- increasingly wary of it um i don't the the challenge is also that you know innings one through three one through four yes uh innings five through six five through seven not so much um now i saw him uh more in the earlier parts of the season and then went back and looked at a little bit uh, more of what he was doing uh, on video in, in A, And he was much more aggressively uh, utilizing his slider, which I think is an important uh, sort of development for him if he is going to have any major big league role, much less uh, as a starter. The challenge is his fastball is, is it's just really limiting. So um yes, I think he could easily get by as a lefty, you know, lefty crushing reliever with that slider, but um you know, his changeup's solid enough. The curveball I'm not sold on. I know some people have liked it. Some people have been more skeptical of it. For me, it's a bit loopy. Um, although he, at some times, I would see a firmer version of it that was a little bit tighter, that looked much more competitive. I just, like you said, you know, he's six five. He looks like he could add strength. That he looks like he could add velocity. We're still waiting on that, and eventually. We have to figure, is it ever actually going to come? And if not, what he currently is is not going to be a competitive starter.
0: Ron white some bright spots after that double A promotion as a 21 year old. He's a strikeout better than a batter per inning. And, you know, he's never been an elite strike thrower, but he keeps his stuff in and around the zone for the mm-hmm. most part. The only problem uh, is when you keep the ball in the zone on Amarillo, sometimes the ball goes very far.
1: Yeah, and he is the. I mean, he is the youngest of these four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there is plenty of time, and even if that doesn't necessarily manifest as a huge velocity bump, like there's just more time for for more development there. So, um, but yeah, it it is. Uh, it's just a question of can this version with this fastball be enough?
0: No question about Slade Ciccone's fastball at number nine you know University of Miami big name college arm first round pick i think supplemental in the in the 2020 draft His, he's you know. obviously dealt with a lot of injury issues even going back to college he's shown flashes in the in the pros of maybe having that mid rotation starter ceiling but what was he in 2022
1: not quite Consistent enough. Uh, The the challenge is he just, he still looks like that same pitcher. Um, And sometimes, you know, he he had a number of injury issues in 2021, so it was good to see him get back more consistently. Um, There was a sort of drop in his velo, and, uh, you know, his uh, secondaries similarly were not as effective. Um, He had an elbow injury in 2021, so it was nice to see him get back to more of what you know, he, he had shown, uh, previously, um, in 2022, um, he's got a really solid power slider. Um, it, it tends to be, um, a very clear out pitch. Um, the challenge is getting to two strikes is, is is not a there. there's not a clear path because his fastball even though it has a good velocity it still ends up being reasonably hittable um his slider obviously if he could throw if he throws that more i think it's going to get him more success um but then we're looking a little bit more at a relief profile uh at a certain point so you know i don't have great faith in his breaking ball or his changeup. up um, I, I saw them sort of ranged between below average and a little above average from, from time to time, but it was it was not that consistent. And again, a little bit like Walston, right? This is, you know, a player that's been, well, Chicone even more than Walston is a player that has been under a pretty solid amount of scrutiny and, and um, scouting observation for going on four years now and still kind of looks like the same guy um you know he he was i think there was there was some thought that he might be able to like nelson and jameson be you know one of those guys debuting this year in in 2022 and he really just didn't separate himself um and and you know whereas someone like actually did and and sort of put put more together
0: I suppose that would be a broader concern with the with the Diamondback system in general at this point I and mean, we've talked about the the large draft classes they've had in recent years and they mm. spent a lot of those top 3 round picks or so on pitching and look you know trade trade Jameson and Ryan Nelson and Blake Walston and Slade Chicone are on their top ten. Tommy Henry has been in and around their top ten in recent years. But you look at this crop, uh, this crop of mostly college arms, and they haven't really gotten them to the majors as quickly as you'd think. And they're not really any better than they were on draft day from like a prospect projection standpoint.
1: Yes, I think that's that's exactly right, and it's, it's a huge issue for them because they have, you know, you mentioned 14 pitchers through for them uh, or started games for them in 2022. They need not just one or two, of them, they need many of these guys to turn into impact big leaguers. They've and got so Zach that's Allen. <laughs> that's got, really yeah, like... Right, right. Merrill Kelly... Meryl Kelly's a good. That's fair. Sure, Merrill sure. A good but but Meryl Kelly's what thirty four? Like, yeah. you know, and you the the next competitive um, Diamondbacks team has to have at least a few of these guys as you know at least reasonable innings eaters, and realistically, probably one or two of them has to be an impact pitcher. I don't think any of them are impact starters. Um, and I don't think, like you said, I don't think any of them are closer, that much closer to being impact starters than the day that they were drafted. And that's, that is, you know, this is not the most disastrous system by any means, but you know, you can maybe get away with that if you're in the AL or NL Central. You can't get away with that if you're in the NL West. You have to be... You have, to, you have to do extraordinary things to, to overcome the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants. You don't have to do extraordinary things to overcome the Rockies. But <laughs> that's not the only goal. We wrap up the Diamondbacks' top
0: ten with another day one draft pick from this past summer's draft. It's Ivan Melendez, who was the Golden Spikes winner for the University of Texas. Slugged over 800 for the Longhorns, more walks and strikeouts, big time power, another right-right first baseman.
1: Yep. This is so at the top of this system, right? It's three players who are, you know, you could, you could, you could, you know, certainly push that Carroll is a corner outfielder and I wouldn't push too hard on that. But, you know, it is three players who will have defensive value. Will have defensive value. You could argue have at least average, you know, five average tools or better, and then like almost every other stretch of this is nope. It you know you you have immense power. So you know again, um, Melendez uh, set the you know uh, BB core era home run record uh, for college baseball. Broke Chris Bryant's record. Um, has. Actually, you know, a, a swing I really like. Um, it's he's short to the ball. He he trusts. You know, he's got immense immense strength. I mean, he he looks like a slugger, um, and he his swing reflects that. Where he is not, you know, whereas De La Santos is smaller. You know, obviously a, a tank, but is swinging very very hard. Um, Melendez has a shorter swing that is reflective of if I put. The, you know, if I make contact, it's going to go far. It's going to go hard. Um, so I think he has a very good chance of being a successful hitter. Um, but he has to. There, you know, he he is glacially slow, and there's nothing really that he's going to do about it. You know, he he is just going to be a first baseman. Hopefully, um, they they sort of very generously played him at third base um, a little bit but I mean Texas wasn't even doing that so uh, University of Texas when, when he was in in college so you know it, it this is it, it's it's just reflective of a system that is really banking on a few guys to hit big
0: Well is there anyone outside the top 10? that might be able to hit it big for the Diamondbacks. Who's your personal cheese ball here?
1: All right. So I've given a lot of... Um, I know I, I literally just complained about um, sort of right-handed hitting uh, sluggers who don't necessarily have a bunch of defensive value. But I am now going to talk about A.J. Vukovic, who uh, I really enjoy as a player. And, you know, it is it's the same type of profile, um, with the caveat that, um, he actually has much more athleticism mm. and he, I think he, it's easy to pass him off. He's huge, absolutely massive. Um, he's a, you know, was a cold weather, um, bat out of Wisconsin. Um, he's, this was his age 20 season and it was certainly, I would say still a bit mixed. Um, but he, Stole 35 bases on 39. Well, I guess uh, 40 bases or 36 bases on 40 tries. Um, absolutely, um, you know, still f- trying to figure it out as a defender. Might I, I know that he very likely will, you know, be more of a split between corner outfield um, and corner infield. Um, but I saw him make some. Relatively impressive plays, um, and I, I think that he is a more in need of. He, he's very much a player that is still getting experience at third, and I, I think there is you know the tools are there, but the the reps have not been. So as he continues to get that time, um, and I hope that Arizona is able to give him that time because. There, there is not you know, the athleticism is there and the power is immense. So, um, does he make enough contact? Why are we asking questions we don't want the answer to? But he's 6'5 and, and could, you know, could potentially go 2020, um, with, you know, a, a Chris Carter amount of strikeouts if he, if someone gives him a big league season. So, um, that's you know that's the type of player that I enjo- enjoy seeing, and and Vukovic, you know, has has more upside than a lot of the rest of the the system.
0: Do you want to know the terrifying truth about <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks prospect contact rates? Or do you want to see a bunch of right-right first basemen smash some
1: diggers? <laughs> I will take door number two, please, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that wraps up the Arizona system. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we will be back later in the week with a a, a system that's disappointing in a different way, the Detroit Tigers. (laughs)